Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. That's right. We got we got Kevin back. Isaiah is back in his law school cave for the time being, and so it's uh, it's just the two of us again. <laughs> we'll, we'll get him back though. Eventually, eventually we'll get him back. Eventually, hopefully. But yeah, um, we are back today with another. Uh, game recap and and a good game recap another another w um i think uh, at least I'll, i guess i'll speak for myself first i was a little nervous about this game personally and i i've, I've we've talked about it we both thought that this was going to be a, a w but i i really was a little nervous about this game i was always nervous about this game a lot more than i think any you know, fan or any publication was was writing about because San Diego State has always run a pretty respectable program. Um, you know, two years ago they went twelve and two. Uh, last year was not so great, seven and six, right? But um, always a, a respectable program, and across all sports, it seems that they're that one school that makes the most out of their resources, et cetera, et cetera. While UCLA generally is has underachieved according to the talent value, especially in football. So I was always a little nervous for this game. Um, but I think there are a lot of positives to look at, and, and there's a lot of things we got to get better at because the conference looks like a beast right now. But a lot of positives, I think, come out of this. Definitely a lot of positives. And I think the number one positive, despite what Chip Kelly says or claims to be doing, but I think that game was a coronation of Dante Moore as the head QB, or uh, QB1. Like, straight up, I don't think there's a competition at this point. What do you think? There is no competition at this point. The Dante Moore era is upon us, and I mean, this is, I think, what the state of the situation is. We got to get quarterback recruiting next year because I think this is a three-year deal. We're gonna have Dante Moore for three years, um, hopefully, you know, transfer portal, NIL, all notwithstanding, and he's gonna be gone. Um, and I think that's just where this thing is headed right now. Uh, you know, just given the offense, Chip Kelly, his quarterback development, which we're seeing on on display right now. I mean. Dorian Thompson Robinson has made the the Browns roster and such, right? So like all those things put together, uh, Dante Moore clearly has just innate playmaking ability. He has the it factor that you're, that we're always you know looking for. Probably not, probably a much better game player than he's a practice player, right? Um, Ethan Garber seemed to be like the prototypical practice guy that does really good in practice and in the game maybe doesn't shine as well. But but Dante Moore. Um, through two games, big plays, playmaking ability, changes arm angles really well, hits a deep ball with great precision. So I think a whole lot there to be excited about. And just having that, I think, is going to keep UCLA competitive against most teams, uh, on if, if not every team, on their schedule. For me, though, I'm going to say this. Um, that is not the biggest positive out of the first two weeks. The biggest positive out of the first two weeks is that and, – and, and look – we can Let's play take this with a grain of salt. I think I know what you're going to say. Here, well, but well, but but we we we'll can caveat, but we we can and we can't because uh, this defense has been a bottom seventy five defense for the last three years. So I don't care who the opponent is; it's been bad. And usually, <laughs> right, like uh, by that's uh, sad. By, by this time of of year, we're already looking like, oh my god. Well, you know, it's already like a, an average defense, and when the competition gets better, it's only going to get worse from here. But we're seeing signs of life over there, especially mainly from that front seven. Um, there, that front seven has been wildly good. And 
and again, if our defense was ever going to, you and me talked about this at least. And I, I never really had much hope for our, for our secondary and our corners in particular. Um, and I don't think San Diego State really had the horses to challenge our corners, let alone any corners really out there. Um, but the front seven, positionally good. We're stopping the run, um, and we're doing it in a way where it looks somewhat sustainable. And Utah is going to be the biggest test of that in two weeks. Um, you know, this week will probably be a nice scrimmage. But there's life over there. There's 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 something positive, which usually at this point of the year, we're already bearing the defense. We're already you know waiting for the inevitable you know 60 points that's going to come against a, a good team, and that's not the case right now. No, we we you're you're absolutely right. We look absolutely respectable on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and you know, week one, I know you weren't on this on the show that day, but. Uh, Isaiah and I talked about really the front seven being good, the D line looking good, you know, the quarterback pressure being there and, um, you know, hitting home when it needed to. The one caveat that first game was okay, the corners look not great. I know we had a couple of interceptions that game, but they largely felt like kind of fluky things. I think in this game, the secondary including the quarter corners legitimately look good minus Devin Kirkwood. And, and I hate to pick on one guy or, or call one guy out uh, by name, but generally the corners besides him were very good. And we've seen a burgess burgeoning star, I think uh, from the safety spot in Kamari Ramsey. I think he looks fantastic in that, in that position. Uh, Kenny Churchwell has been, been solid, but, you know the the whole the sum of all the parts here are kind of making up a pretty decent secondary even at least for now again I'll caveat this again the secondary I I still have some questions around I think there's a big question mark still around how effective they can be against you know better receivers and better quarterbacks but I do think to your point our front seven looks legitimately good um, and this is all without like Ale Keho coming back right now it's all just gelled together despite you know losing some reinforcements I think Kane Medrano uh is significantly improved uh getting Oladejo from Cal has been great and then Muasau you know has been stout against the run and he in this game particularly against San Diego State looked like he was reading plays better, dissecting things better, not getting caught up in, in the wrong side of things. So I, I, there's a lot of life to be to be had there. But I think, you know, two players that we've been sleeping on a little bit, obviously we've been talking about Latu a lot, and he's living up to his billing. Just he's, picking he's jumped up. out of the gates. He's jumped out of the gates. He's jumped out of the gates, picked up right where he left off last season. Um, but the, the, the Murphy twins um, have been largely good. I... I I criticized them a little bit after the first game because of all the offsides penalties. It was nice to see those go away. Um, but the Murphy Twins have looked pretty good this season so far. I think the edge rushers, yes. Uh, Murphy Twins have been have been very solid. Um, obviously, you know, Leo Tulatu. He'll, he'll be a millionaire next year. Um, and will probably continue to be so um, all throughout the year, but but has, al- has also been very good uh, against the run, you know, setting strong edges, which, again, like we've talked about this a lot, this Raven scheme, um, 
a lot of this depends on setting really hard edges. And the part I've been most excited about with the defense actually is this part, the defensive interior. Um, Jay Toya, Gary Smith. Um, Toya, I mean, again, through two games, looks in a lot better shape, I think, just just physically than, than he did uh, this time last year. And, and Gary Smith. And, again, this part right here for, for – the run defense and this defense is is just so so important and we have Toya, Gary Smith, you know, Magna, Keanu Williams, they're all getting in there and contributing right now and I think that's really important. Um, that's the part I think I'm most excited about on the defensive line. The linebackers I think just positionally have been very strong. Um, yeah, I think the we're speed not over committing. They're not overcommitting. I think speed and athleticism is kind of what it is at the linebacker spot, right? But they're not, but they're using their strengths. I think the defense is being called to their strengths too, um, which is you know something that hasn't maybe has been done as much. Um, Oladejo, I think it's pretty clear that uh, when we play a team that's going to be a run-heavy team, he'll be on the field. Um, and in two weeks against Utah, that's probably going to be the case. Um, you know, Mulesau. You know, Kane Madrano, again, have been very positionally sound. So I think there's a lot to like there so far. And uh, I know we mentioned we're not our, you know, guys like Cahill are still out, but John John Vaughn's actually played last game. He's back uh, coming out of, you know, he has, because he's a two-sport athlete, I think it, it, he usually joins the team a little late, so it get, takes him a little longer to actually get on the field. But, you know, John John Vaughn's is a guy who popped last season a little bit on a bad defense from the linebacker spot. So we... We saw him get some game time last game. I think you know, getting him in the game, that's just, that's just another guy who is capable of contributing and playing at a high level for, uh, at, in the linebacker rotation as well. So all in all, I'm pretty happy with uh, the uh, defensive side of the ball for now. And we have to say, why are we so excited? Because we have been, again, a bottom 75 defense for the last few years. So it, it really hasn't mattered who you're putting on on the other side. Um, this is kind of like when we had Brett Humbley against Rice his first game. Do you remember that? Where it's like we've, we've watched Kevin Prince and Richard Brijo for like four years, and now like just watching anybody against anyone look good was just this breath of life. And that's what this kind of feels like right now. I I totally agree. It's it's a welcome shock. <laughs> I, and this I could all go to shit us... in two weeks. We don't know, right? Sure. But, but but this there's there's signs of health of some foundation there that you think could be repeatable. Look, last season we were hemorrhaging hemorrhaging yards against teams like Southern Alabama. Now Southern Alabama ended up being a much better team than I think any of us thought it was going to be. But we could not. Uh, that defense was playing paper thin. Like we could not stop anything, and that was the theme of the whole season, right? The fact that we're now stopping, you know, historically solid D1 opponents right now is in and of itself an improvement. Again, that you can take that as a comment on how sad this defense has been or how bad it's been, whatever, whatever you want to take that as. But looking at this specific moment in time, like, that is, it is a big achievement. And uh, hats off to Danton Lynn for even getting us to this point. I think this is... Uh, a good sign of of him and his coaching ability coming through. Um, I, I I have only good things to say about him for the time being. So we'll see if this continues against better opponents. Uh, I hope it does. We obviously need it to. Um, you know, 
having a true freshman quarterback try to carry a team throughout the season is not going to be sustainable, in my opinion. And so we need the defensive side of the ball to step up and uh, carry their weight here. And so far they have. Uh, So far they have. So two games, 20 tackles for a loss, seven sacks. So that's 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 quite a lot of disruption. I think that is going to be our soft spot, our sweet spot rather, um, through the rest of the year, just given our personnel. I do expect to see games as we go on where you know we're our secondaries, our, our corners are going to get torched. Devin Kirkwood is probably going to have more some more penalties, get beat beat a bit. Um, so I I completely expect those games to come. But if we can build on this foundation, right? Um, stop the run. Try to make teams one-dimensional. Be positionally sound. That right there will just—it'll help so much, uh, you know, to to just just be at be at that spot. And I think we've talked a whole lot about defense. We probably now have to talk about Dante Moore a little bit more um, because that he, he this is I think overall the the big lifeline of of UCLA football right now. Um, through two games, it's pretty clear that he's the guy with not a whole lot of offense, I think, that's been shown so far. Um, and, and, and part of that's probably because, you know, we're playing, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to take Dante Moore along slowly. But generally speaking, Chip Kelly over the years has treated the non-conference as like preseason games for the Pac-12. A little bit to a detriment, but hey, we've won the two games now, so, you know, you, you that, no, no problems here. And there's probably a whole lot more there with his skill sets um, that you can do. Like we still haven't seen J. Michael Sturdivant, who we know has game-breaking ability, really like top off here. Um, we haven't seen the depth of our receivers uh, really just yet, and 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 and, and you you'd have to think it's all coming. Um, you know, the offense with where it is right now just get better and better. Uh, we could see it be, I think, something pretty special at the end of the year. I think this game was really important also to get uh, Dante Moore actual game reps. We did the the stupid back and forth between him and Garber's first game fine. Um, we've already talked about that. I think this what this game was really really vital to actually get additional actual game time for Dante Moore on the road, especially. I'm not saying Snapdragon is like the most difficult place to play in or anything, but still. Those are real game reps on the road against a real D1 team. And I think that is going to end up paying dividends in the future. Uh, I, I think getting him start to finish in a game was the right move by Chip Kelly. And again, despite of what, what he says uh, after practice, like Ch- uh, Dante Moore is our quarterback going forward. And that is absolutely the right move. I And I think in this game... I, he he showed why he should be, obviously. I think this this has to be, speak for himself. And the wild thing is in, about this game, I think his stat line should actually look even better than it does right now. He, you know, he went some drops. 17 for 27. There was some bad drops that first half. I can think of at least three or four. Um, so you add those in, and he has an even more stellar night. I mean, what you see from him even even so like 290 yards and three touchdowns no interceptions from a freshman uh quarterback on the road against you know a Kurt Maddox defense that can be tricky is is something 
something to to be proud of and I really love this kid's demeanor on the field he doesn't get too overhyped he doesn't he just is a cool customer it goes in it really doesn't get rattled by anything does his job and then just comes off the field like I I can't I can't speak enough about how I how impressed I am about his just level-headedness and calmness on the field and I think that translates and, and helps the rest of the team as well like when you have your quarterback out there who's not frazzled not um you know, shook up by anything. I, I think that just instills confidence in, in everybody else. And that's been a been a excellent quality of his that I think, you know, people aren't really talking about as much, but you know, obviously he has all the throws and tools, but that, that kind of intangible that he's possessed and demonstrated so far is rare in, you know, college QBs in general, but then you think about he's a true freshman, like that is it's it's been impressive to see. Yeah, one thing I think now is as we go forward, um, offensive line I think is has been okay so far. I think for us to reach our ceiling, um, there's a level to get to uh, when and and again Utah is going to be the big test here. Uh, you know, this this week is going to be all about you know. I, I I doubt we'll see anything other than like straight up inside zone and like you know basically two or three plays this entire week. Um, so it's all going to be a, a basic scrimmage, get some reps. Offensive line I think has been okay so far, no 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 real uh, issues. But for us to get back to the levels of like last year at any point this year, um, I think point of the ta- point of attack blocking, pass protection for for Dante Moore that comes around I think. I think we got something because because Dante Moore is going to get better, uh, you know, as the year goes on. And as we expand the offense, as we do all that, um, you know, there if we can get that that part of our our team up to snuff, then I think we'll be in good shape. Because now, as I look down the schedule here, um, what once looked like a pretty you know easy Pac-12 schedule has now turned into like I mean we got five ranked everyone's teams. ranked <laughs> yeah we got five ranked well this is pretty insane isn't it um I mean obviously you know nostalgia the last year of the conference and it's like possibly the best conference in the, and and this is kind of scary to say it's it's not the SEC is the best conference right but but like the SEC's taken a lot of hits here in the non-conference um the Pac-12 like everyone looks like a bear right now uh, minus like the bottom two teams like Arizona State and Stanford, um, even Arizona like almost went up and beat Mississippi State on the road. Cal probably should have beaten Auburn, um, and these are like the bottom teams in our league. But everyone else has either put together a big non-conference win or has looked pretty good so far. It will be interesting to see how how this all shakes up. Uh, obviously, you know, Southern Cal looks really, really good. They've played a cupcake schedule as well, so remains to be seen how good they are. But um, at least defensively, I think we all know their offense is going to be uh, insanely good as they've they've demonstrated. So it's like top to top to bottom, like this this conference is is insane and i i i think ucla sneaking in there this this week has been good i think it's it creates a lot of hype for that that utah game obviously um barring 
catastrophe this coming week, and we'll, we'll get to that game in a second. Um, but before we do, I, I want to ask you one more th- question about this game. What did you think about the Colin Schley kind of closing um, formation with the options? It's probably, you know, uh, it's probably going to be a thing. The, the reason to put it out there, right, is you want other teams to see it on tape and prep for it. And so that's why it was there. Um, and, I, and my guess is we're going to see probably a decent amount of it this week because this is the kind of game, um, you know, NC Central, where is that even the, the name of the team? It's NC Central, right? Um it is yeah so like this is the kind of game where you're probably going to put a few things just to like throw utah off the following week and i think it could be it can work um it could be an interesting you know wildcat kind of package that you can attach throws to um you know as as the as time goes on and so like i mean we didn't see uh you know a whole lot of throwing from him yet but like as time goes on, that's probably what you're trying to set people up for. So when you get to the you know the SCs and when you get to you know, at, venture- at this point Colorado, <laughs> right? Like the, Utah, these kind of games. Um, that's the kind of stuff that you can start to attach to it. So that's where I think they're going with this. Um, and and he's got some wheels, doesn't he, uh, Colin Chile? Like he's, he's he, he can he, he's got some wheels to him. So if you can mix that in and also just give more some snaps off because he's a freshman, right? Like so. I I think it it can be it can work and now like do they actually because a lot of times you see coaches throw these kind of like running packages out there and never actually like use the the play off the play or the trick play that's like associated with it but I, my guess is that's where this is eventually going try to get other teams to learn and spend time on this and then either use it or don't strategically. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does with this. It, it can be an interesting kind of closing package, right? If you have a big lead or a lead and we need to run clock down, like let's throw these guys out there and just run the ball. It showed some effectiveness on the ground. Um, and especially since we have two good running backs that are you know still kind of splitting carries between TJ Harden and, and Carson Steele, like it, I mean, I, I'm curious to see if it is what you said, kind of a distracting um, play, or if this is something that we do utilize down the road to actually, you know, kill clock in in those situations where we need to just grind grind a team down and and you know take take minutes off the clock and and have a punishing drive. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see, but it is. It was kind of fun to see something new that we haven't seen with uh, Chip Kelly here yet. So having a guy like Colin Sklee, I think, can be can be really helpful in those situations. Uh, obviously, he has a lot of game experience, too, so it's not like we're we're just throwing a, a random dude out there. It, is it safe to say that he's the number two? Or do we think that he's just kind of, again, was in, put in there to, to install that package and to get some reps for it? I would think that he will it, – it's hard to say. And my guess is that there is a, a particular set of plays that they're trying to build with Colin Schley that if you know he would have to play extended time that he could do it, and then Ethan Garbers would still play. I, I don't think that Colin Schley 
I don't think there is a set like one backup situation here. Um, that said, I mean, hopefully we never need to find out. But but Collinsley, I think like this this kind of set with him does give a different angle uh, of to to our attack. Dante Moore can run. I mean, he's 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 a decent athlete. I wouldn't say it's a strong suit of you know you know scrambling and, and such, but this is just something different that that teams will have to prep for. So yeah, we'll see. We will see. Um, yeah, interesting to to note. Um, going on to the next game, so North Carolina Central. Uh, you know, cool cool scheduling against HBCUs. You know, always cool to see that good bands. You know, the the history and the the uh, fanfare that comes with that. Focusing just on the football, this should be a pretty cupcake win. Uh, I know they have some talent. Um, Davius Richard, their quarterback, is supposed to be very good, and they have a. Um, Chip Kelly also mentioned their safety pro- uh, is a uh, potential NFL guy. So they have some talent there, right? And we've seen HBCUs uh, step up and, and be kind of forces in the past. I mean, you don't need to look too far back. And Jackson State under uh, Coach Prime was was taking some, some heads a couple of years ago. I, I think that this could be a tough team if we overlook it. It shouldn't be. We should, uh, we should run all over this team. But I, I try not to look ahead and look past teams too much, and uh, neither should this team. Yeah, I mean, and I appreciate you saying that and all, um, <laughs> but um, like this is the lot, and and it's really good that UCLA won the first two games um, and didn't avoid like a bad slip up yet, because this hopefully you know we're gonna win this game, um, and and, and res- you know credit to NC Central it's gonna be fun uh you know a fun, it, fun game two and come out there they're two and oh um you know I think this is the first HBCU to come to the Rose Bowl and play UCLA right um so 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 it's great I think that that part of it's great um what comes after this is going to be a bear we got and I'm just going to read you the schedule for the next five games afterwards at Utah at home to Washington State who just went and beat Wisconsin and Madison so that's that's no joke. Um, actually, no, that was they were at home, but still, uh, still no joke. Um, so they beat Wisconsin at home, at Oregon State, who right now looks like as balanced a team as anyone anyone out there. Then we got at Stanford, which you know hopefully is a nice warm up to that one Deion Sanders guy that's going to come to town um, <laughs> home uh, against Colorado. Are you are, are you convinced about Colorado fully? Well, there's levels to this. Colorado was one and eleven last year. They were like one of the historically sure. one of the worst teams ever. So I think that it's pretty insane the amount of turnover that they have. I think it's like eighty plus new players that they got. Um, and yeah, Dion just brought Jackson State with him. He brought Jackson State, and he brought a lot of guys. I mean, the, on defense, they got some guys from from Clemson. Um, you know, on the skill positions, the guys that. I mean, they're, he's building this team a different way, which then I think the traditional approach was just like, I'm going to get the fastest skill guys and a good quarterback and put them out there, and that's going to help me be competitive right now against like the teams that we should hopefully be able to beat. And over time, I'll build the line of scrimmage. And that's probably where Colorado is still weak, and you can still kind of see it pop up here and there. Like Nebraska in that game, 
Um, they hit Shadur Sanders a ton that first half. I and mean, you could tell the difference, field. right? And you could tell the difference. Nebraska's building from the lines out. And so, like, the defensive line, like, those look like big corn-fed boys out there. Um, offensive line, like, th- so those two areas, they were strong, but they had no, no threats, like, anywhere else. So they just they just couldn't keep up. Um, so I think Colorado, I mean, it's it's amazing what's happened Shador Sanders, that attack, that offense is, I think, something to be reckoned with just because of the amount of, you know, speed that they got. And on defense, those corners, um, those corners are a problem. Um, not, not just Travis Hunter, but the other guy, too. Uh, both of them are, are very good. As time goes on, I don't think they're going undefeated. I don't think that Shador Sanders is going to win the Heisman. Um, I don't think Travis Hunter is going to win the Heisman. But it's pretty insane what they've been able to do so far. And... I mean, or the Oregon and SC um, back to back, the back to back. That's pro. I mean, they're probably not going to win both of them. But if they win one of them, at that point, I think you know the 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 sky's the limit in terms of like trying to stay in the conference race the whole year. I mean, they they they're kind of playing everyone um, in terms of like their schedule. Like they're playing Oregon, SC. They're playing us. They're playing Oregon State, Washington State, Utah. So, but they could easily look at this at the end, end of the year, and they could be seven five because just because that's what the conference is this year. That's the Pac twelve. Um, but still, I mean, if they go nine and three somehow with that schedule, and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think they could do it. Um, so that 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 that's probably where I sit with Colorado. I don't buy the national title hype. I don't buy the Heisman hype. By all that, they're eventually going to lose, but it's amazing. It's definitely been impressive to watch. Uh, I, I think both of our teams going into that game will probably have a, at least one loss, right? I, I don't see them coming out of the Oregon and SC weeks back-to-back unscathed. I don't see us coming out of Utah, uh, Washington State, Oregon State unscathed going into um, you know Stanford, obviously. If we lose Stanford... Pack it up, boys. Let's just fold the program. Yep. Um, and then we have Colorado after that. So, you know, both teams are not going to be undefeated at that point. But there is a lot of hype for that game, I feel like. And uh, it should be a fun one. But I digress. I think we're, we're looking, <laughs> we're looking like five games. But, hey, everyone's ahead. talking about Colorado right now. So we got to talk about it a little bit, right? That's fair. What do you want to see out of this upcoming game against NC Central? I this think upcoming we game. A little bit about it, but like, yeah. what what would we what would be obviously a big W would be a resounding success. But aside from that, like, what do we want to see out of this? I want to see continued defensive improvement. Um, I want to see continued sustained defensive, you know, success against a team that again does have a, a have an experienced quarterback and and probably does like to throw the ball around a little bit. I want to see us continue to play well against them. On offense, I literally don't care what we do because, like, we're we are not gonna show anything in this game because we got Utah the week after. Chip Kelly historically has treated these games like preseason, so like if we come out and we look sluggish because like we're doing the same thing over and over again, I'm not gonna be concerned. Defense, that's that's gonna be the part that that I think I'm gonna watch to make sure that we're continuing to sustain and put good weeks on top of good weeks because if we're gonna go anywhere this year now with the schedule that we've got and with the way this conference is. I love Dante Moore. I think he's great. Um, we're not going to expect, you know, Caleb Williams out of him just yet. So we're going to have to... That's next season. That's next season, right? And the season after that, whew, all right. 
but but this year we're gonna need to at least keep games i think in the 30s um if not the high with the new clock rules and stuff i think the the high 20s like 30s is like the sweet spot when we get into conference and if we can do that i think we're in good shape so I totally agree with you on all that, but I will throw in a couple of offensive things I'm looking for this game. Uh, first one, I would like to see TJ Harden used more. I think the split between Carson Steele and Harden has been working so far, but I think when you watch the games, when you look at the, the stats, it's pretty clear TJ Harden just pops off the screen more. That can be via very boring run plays. I don't really care how, but I I think the um, the split should be a little bit leaning towards TJ Harden at this point. And that's not a knock against Carson Steele. I think Carson Steele is a really useful and very good player. I mean, we've seen him run dudes over, um, and that's kind of his skill set and strength. But TJ Harden is just electric. I think you see a, see a lot more electricity out of him, the shiftiness. He can run with some power, and he has the speed. Get him the ball more than um, steal. And and I'm fine with, like, a you know, 55-45 split, but let's just get him more, more game time. The other thing I want to see is, and again, I'm not uh, saying we want to open up the playbook here or anything, but I want to see more of our receivers involved. Um, we obviously saw, um, his name is escaping me right now, uh, Logan Loya really pop off in the last game, but I want to see Kyle Ford involved a little bit more. I think uh, getting guys like Ford, obviously we saw, we've we seen JMS explode a little bit in that first game, you know, keep him cons- consistently f- getting the ball. But, you know, getting Kyle Ford involved is adds another weapon to the the rotation getting cam brown involved a little bit more we have a lot of mouths to feed here and i don't think we can feed all of them but i think we need to use our most talented guys and you know jms kyle ford probably are the top two guys and then you know combination of logan loya cam brown uh titus when he comes back like those three or four guys will pick up the slack, but I, I want to see Ford involved a little bit more. I, I think those are the two biggest things for me. And then the third one is just, can we pass block better? Can we keep improving on that front? Um, offensive line improvement and gelling needs to keep continuing. I think we've seen improvement, you know, between the last two games. Uh, would like to see that continue here, especially going into to Utah. But getting Dante that- more up to speed, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think just that's real quick. Yep. Getting him up to speed behind I'm confident behind a good good O-line on offense going into Utah is going to be really really key. Well, that right there I think is actually the main thing I I'd look for on offense. Um JMS um this is an interesting one because I mean, it's not as if Utah doesn't know how good he is because they've competed against him before. Um and they've seen him in the league. So it's not as if they don't know but my guess is that's going to be when we see the the JMS show a little bit um, over these the next two following weeks, um, and maybe not as much uh, this week. But that said, it might also be a good thing to just like get it out there. This game is all about putting things on tape that you want the next rest of the the opponents to see. So uh, you know how do we handle that whole strategic battle is probably like the most fun thing to watch on offense. But the offensive line part, I think, is absolutely true. Um, continue to get better in pass protection. 
let's not get like you know strip fumbles and stuff like that um you know no turnovers that would probably be like a good thing out of this game i think we do those things and i'll be happy um even the running back split usage my guess is this week we're still going to see this split um we're still going to see you know carson Steele and tj Harden. i mean and i think you and me both agree that harden he's just physically really evolved from last year um looks explosive looks powerful um so I, I do think eventually down the line that's that's where this will go. But in this game I still think we'll see a bit of that split, just just for that that reason. And And you... and I'm I'm fine with the split, right? I, I don't think that's a bad thing when we have two guys who can play at a high level. We've seen it before, right, with Zach and Britton Brown. I that's not an issue. I just think that the the, the split the split should lean more towards Harden. I think we saw nine carries from Harden this this last week for 10 yards per carry and 13 carries for um, Carson Steele. And I think he was averaging like six and a half to seven yards per carry. So <laughs> we're, we're splitting hairs here a little bit. But I just think that Harden jumps off the screen. And so I would like to see that flipped. I think we should be giving Harden the 13, 14 carries and give steal the nine or ten carries and to your point we might not see that this week um that might be again a utah thing but it's uh that i think in the long term is going to be a lot more effective for for our offense than than the other way around i agree i agree so as we start to close out here who would you say is your conference favorite right now as you just look at Look at the league because it's it's a bear top to bottom. Eight teams ranked. Um, yeah, it, it it looks wild. I'm gonna stick with Utah. Uh, I I understand SC has been looking explosive. I've I watched some of their games. I, I I don't think their defense is still particularly good, and they've only played some very very bad teams I think Utah has at least had some challenges at this point right like they went on the road against um Baylor a Baylor um they beat Florida who you know might not be great this year but it's still you know better than Nevada or San Jose State um I I think that they they just they know how to win. They have the experience, and when Cam Rising is is back healthy, that that's just gonna lift their lift their um their team a little bit more. So, like they're winning without him, and and when they get him back, I think it's just gonna be uh, a a hard, a tough tough monster to stop there. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with Utah here, uh, but what are, what do you think? I also was going to go Utah um, because I think Cam Rising will come back. And I, I think SC um, looks really scary right now. And we're not going to know, though, if this how legit their defense is. I, th- I guess probably until they play Colorado. But really, it, that back half of their schedule, that that thing looks, looks pretty nasty. Because um, they got Notre Dame. They got to go to South Bend. Then they got Utah. And then they got Washington. Then at Oregon. Um, and then they got us, obviously, to, to close the year. So I think we're not going to know if they've, you know, really turned the corner on defense for at least another couple of weeks, if not after that. 
Utah is, I think, the most balanced team. Um, they got to go to SC. They got to go to Washington. So those are not going to be easy. Um, their home game, and they also got to go to Oregon State. So that's the only reason I think that like holds me back there. But I mean, this year everyone's got to play everyone, and their home games um, against us, against you know Oregon, Colorado, you'd have to say probably they're going to be favored and in, in, in to to hold serve at home and. If anyone can go on the road and win, so so far I would say Utah as well. But but I see, uh, we'll see how how they they look in a couple weeks against Colorado. Yeah, I I'm not sold on their defense, and again, I, I just think Kyle Whittingham teams they play disciplined, they play tough, and I at this point in the last few years. We can't count them out, even if there's other teams that might be a little bit more talented than them. As long as Rising comes back healthy. That hopefully they, not against I, us, but maybe he will. Hopefully not against us, but probably will. Yeah. I think they, they, they still win the conference. And that's, uh, that's my prediction. I would love to be wrong and have it be UCLA, but... <laughs> We'll we'll see if this our defense is real or not. Uh, that that remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we're let's... the we're the eighth ranked team right now in the Pac twelve, and we're we're twenty fourth. That's that's just what the state of the league is right now. Wild, it is wild, um, and to think that this is the a league on its death throes, right? It's it's on its deathbed essentially, and uh, this is what's happening. All, all amongst the context of uh, the final two Pac-12 schools basically going to a judge and uh, what did they get an injunction against the Pac-12? They, they basically have stopped them from from meeting to to pay out all the rest of the schools with the money that that remains in the conference. Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting subplot that. I mean, it's interesting that it hasn't ever been reported up until now um, about that, you know, again, because the Pac-12, there is brand value there. They've built up a lot of NCAA units from, you know, making the tournament and bowl games and and so on and so forth over the years. So there is a lot of value there um, and there's a lot of money that comes from those things. And someone has to collect it now. And this is going to be super interesting if Oregon State and Washington State can win these court battles, and they've already gotten the first step there, to then get this cash cow and then settle into wherever their next home is. Um, and I think the big subplot here is our sister school, Cal. Um, the more and more I analyze this ACC deal, uh, the more and more I'm, I'm like, that uh, this, this president should be fired. Because, like, to take a deal, it's one thing if you're USC and UCLA to take a cash cow and go to this, like, to a Midwestern league and travel to Bloomington and Ann Arbor and all these places. Um, but you're getting, like, $60, $70 million to do it, right? So that offsets anything and, and then some. It's another if you're going to be in the ACC, which is called the Atlantic Coast Conference, and you're getting, like, $9 million or something like that which doesn't really offset your travel costs at all. And you're letting go of all this money that you could have had, which now Oregon State and Washington State are going to have. Um, I don't know if it's because they expect the regents to come and save them, 
Um, I don't know if it's, I mean, and it, it's a lot of it probably is that they need to stay in a high major conference just for the prestige of their school. Like that is like a whole big part of this. But there was, I mean, it's just yet again, seems like not a very fiscally responsible decision, especially for the ACC, which by all indications, how like unstable college football is right now will probably like people are going to find a way out of that deal in a, in a couple of years. I think at this point we know that Cal does not make the best athletic decisions. I think they've <laughs> proven time and time again that they are inept on that side of things. So does this surprise you that they fucked this up? It doesn't surprise me. It's kind of crazy how badly they continue to fuck things up, I think, is the the thing. Because, again, we, we've we've talked about this a little bit before, like, there are long-term ramifications for this four-year university with like these decisions like at this point you have to give ucla martin jarman chancellor block so much credit if you look at where this is all gone now like now that we're kind of at the end game of this we're not but wherever we are like ucla before the mad dash to like all the the conference money so that you can get something um they secure their future in this a long time ago and it's not just important to get money for the athletic department, but like you know, UCLA, they, they don't have a fundraising problem at the university level today, but I mean, you went to Anderson, right? Like I know Anderson's done a bunch of studies on this where like UCLA alums, like of the recent times aren't really of the donating type and so on and so forth. And what's, what's one of the big ways to engage your alums? It's through athletics. And so that's where like this big 10 move is more than just about making money for your athletic department. And for Cal, like, who has plundered themselves in debt with their athletic department, like, this is also another avenue for that, which is going to disengage their alums as time goes on. Like, you're not going to feel that today, but you will feel it, like, years from now when, you know, one of the key differentiators of your school from, like, UCSD is that, like, you have a football and basketball team to go and cheer on, even if it's not very good, like, it's in a high major league that's competing. So it's pretty astounding that they've, like, put themselves in this position. I mean, their alums have already been disengaged for the better part of a decade at this point. And, and, and that's with this, right? But imagine now right, you don't right. even have this, like, going forward. It's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting and dire situation for them. Um, and I don't want to pay them a dime after seeing... All, I don't, you're right. I after agree. seeing what they're doing like this, like, I actually felt bad for them. As much as, as terrible as... You know, they, they spoke of the whole Big Ten thing before, like when this all kind of settled and they were kind of left alone, I felt a little bad because it's like, wow, they're gonna have to cut sports and, you know, do all that. But now looking at this, like there was so much that if you could have gotten some of this like reported $120 million on the table to like get some money for your department and then like reset yourself. I mean, who knows where that could have gone? Yeah, that would require forward-thinking leadership and uh, the capability to actually ma- manage an athletic department. And uh, <laughs> I'm getting way too boiled up about this, and I should. Cal so. is not showing that. And yeah, no, I agree. I don't think we should pay them a single dime. I frankly have very little sympathy for them after their whole regent to... Um, regents uh you know 
dog and pony show that they tried to put on. I, I just, I don't really care about Cal anymore, which sucks as a fan. Uh, you know, I always respected them as a school. I almost went to school there. I, I, so, I mean, and it's sad to lose that history between our school and, and theirs, but they've acted like petulant children uh, who are not willing to admit their faults and their mistakes and make up for them by, you know, trying to do the hard work and they're in the position they're in now and that sucks, but that that is what it is. It is what it is. Cool. Well, I think, I think that's, that's, largely everything that we wanted to cover today um anything else did we miss anything don't think so don't think so cool well we'll be back next week uh hopefully we have a uh not hopefully we probably should have another w going uh up against north carolina central um saturday um, and then we go into Utah week after that. So that'll be an, a fun, interesting uh, week. And um, until then, you can always catch us on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else that you, you would find a podcast. And uh, as always, go Bruins. Go Bruins.